Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast, along with J.J. Cooper. I'm John Manuel. Thanks for joining us. We're in the Baseball America podcast. Look, J.J., I haven't been in here in a while. Yeah, uh, especially we haven't been together here in a while. You, yeah, I had a little time off. I got a, had a little time off that was unscheduled and a little scheduled time off. More scheduled time off coming uh, had in a couple weeks. Sort of and, scheduled time off before that. And... Uh, well, you couldn't necessarily schedule the, when the baby was going to be here, but... Uh, Cooper, child number two, is here, so yes. congratulations Electric to JJ. Electric Boogaloo. Been here for, uh, yeah, that's right, <laughs> well played. Been here for like four weeks, so uh, so JJ's still, uh, he's still here. He's gone from man-to-man, he's gone from, uh, you know, being able to double-team to going to man-to-man. So. Right, but a little grocky, but, but you know. But here, none the worse for it. I haven't noticed any, uh, any you, diminished capacity. You through those first couple of months, but that's, pe- exactly that's not why people want to listen to hear that's exactly parenting do, tips though. from JJ. They, uh no, they, they want to hear uh, prospects, and that's what we're going to talk today. That's what we've been. Uh, we have not had done a prospect. Uh, I, JJ, and I have not done a prospect podcast in a few weeks, but we have been doing, of course, lots of prospect talk on our uh, show on Sirius XM every Sunday night at seven o'clock Eastern Time. If you haven't already subscribed to XM uh, to Sirius XM, there's one more reason for you to do so, and uh, we have a lot of Baseball America offers with Sirius XM. Uh, you know, so you can find those at baseballamerica.com. But uh, JJ, it, the July, uh, the big focus right now. It's, it's a big month for prospects. Between the futures game, a bunch of minor league all-star games, and then the trade deadline at the end of the month, uh, we will have a show that night. I won't be on it, but you will host uh, that night, July 31st, the night of the trade deadline. So that's kind of cool. Um, so we'll break down all the trades that night. But let's talk about the prospects who might get traded a little bit, and guys who the, the organizations that I think are in the best position to trade right. prospects and, for big leaguers. Right. And, and like with that, like the Brewers may want to make a trade or two. Right. They're going to have some difficulty. If they, they made a big trade. They yeah. got Zach Reinke. And and, they, and then they got Sean Markham. Smaller Sean trade, Markham, but Brett, yeah. Brett, we've seen the kind of year hey, Brett Lowry's had. That's a still a big trade. Really, and the interesting part about that is as good as Sean Markham has been for the Brewers, you've got to know there's part of the Brewers organization thinking, you know, the way Lowry's looked at third for the Blue Jays, and the way Casey McGee has played, I still think you'd make that trade again if you're Milwaukee. But it just points out, because Milwaukee cannot develop its own homegrown starters, they are forced to go outside the organization for pitching. And, you know, they had to make two trades, gut their entire farm system. If they make any deals, first guy I'm calling, if, I, you know, if, I'm calling, if the Brewers are asking for – and they just had uh, Carlos Gomez get hurt, right. so maybe they want a center fielder, although they still have Niger Morgan too – if they call me looking for a center field help, I'm saying, well, what about Tyler Thornburg? Right. You know, and, futures and, gamer and, and who's had a nice year this year. Right. He's had a nice year. And that guy should not time, be their though, best. That's not, that's, not yeah. the, that's not the guy who you build a big trade around. That's a, that's a guy you can trade and pick up a piece. That's right. But you could pick up a Niger Morgan or a Carlos Gomez type piece, maybe a little better than that, if someone believes that Thornburg is a future starter. That's, that's It really comes down to if you've got – if you can find a team out there who scouts and says, you know what, we think he's a starter, then I think you you can build a, a deal a little bit more around Thornburg then. But, I'm not sure that he's a starter. But I, I'm not either. I, I like him. I like that arm. I'm not sure. If, if I had to name a, a top Brewers prospect right now, I think it would probably be Tyler Thornburg. Um, well, I think so too. And, well, and that's until they sign Jed Bradley or Taylor Youngman. Who can't, uh, you can't trade this year anyway. So. Sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But that's that's the kind of organization where you're going to go straight to their – you're going to go straight to the top. When they, you build their top 30, you're going to go straight to the top of their 2011 draft. And there might be six to eight 
guys from their ten. draft this year in their top ten. Well, especially if they trade Thornburg. Now I got to think over the top thirty. <laughs> there may be ten guys in the top thirty from this year. Oh, draft. more than that. I think it'll be more than that. I mean, it's a bad system, uh, and and not I mean, a whole they, lot of other... performers who've done well. The guys who've done well in that organization this year, guys like Chris Davis, is having a great year for them. And we liked Chris Davis out of high school in Arizona. Whatever year he was drafted out of high school, he was one of the top. He was the top high school hitter in the state, if memory serves. Um, but he's a 5'10", right-handed hitting college corner guy. JJ, <laughs> my latest obsession. If, if only he long tossed in addition to being a right-right corner like guy. They like their short, uh, their short hitters. They, they do. Caleb Kentrell Gindle. Davis, Caleb Gindel, absolutely. So Chris Johnson, if he's lucky, he's Caleb Gindel. But uh, he's not a guy you trade for. So and they don't even have like, you know, like a Josh Reddick type, like a guy who's not a prospect anymore but hasn't quite established himself as a big leaguer either, or like Ryan Kalish, you know. So there's an organization in Boston, J.J., not necessarily that Boston needs to make a deal, but they have had all these pitching injuries. Uh, if, you were, if, you had a, a big, if you were a big league GM and you had a starting pitcher and the Red Sox said, look, we're tired of Andrew Miller making these starts, we want pitcher Y. Say you're, say you're Ed Wade and we want Wandy Rodriguez in Boston. What would you ask for from the Red Sox? Who would you, where would that package start for you? First guy probably starts to me is if I'm doing that, I'm saying, okay, I want Middlebrooks and Renato. That's a good place to start. And now you may not get that, but that to me, Will Middlebrooks, I do, I really believe in at this point from the standpoint of he hasn't always been that consistent, but this is the example of, of why you, are, you have patience with the guy. That's right. He's a guy who had always had tools and never always got him to really was able to put them all together. This year they've come together. Just hadn't had really any consistency. All been flashes that had not been and consistency this year he's shown in performance. The consistency. And I think Renato, you again with that you trade you trade for him. He hasn't had a blow you away year. He's only in high A. Right. But the stuff's there and really at that point you're almost letting the Red Sox Sign him, pay him the multi-million dollar contract, right. and then you just take him. That's right. You, you know, get they pay the bonus, you get the benefit. Right, and so that's to me that's where I would start. Now they do have, I think beyond that they have a number of other interesting pieces, but I think they're they're pieces that you have to have one of those guys to be the cornerstone, and then you get into the the Ryan Kalishes, the Josh Reddicks you mentioned, right. the Bryce Brents if you really like the power, or if you had Brandon good reports, Jacobs. If, if you, you had good reports on Bryce Brents as an amateur. You could be interested in Bryce Prince because of the kind of year he's had this year. I agree. I mean, Brandon Jacobs is another guy. If you if you want a, a truly poor man's Jesus Montero, Ryan LaVarnway, who's actually had a better year this year, not yeah. really the prospect that, that Montero is, but got a very similar problem to Montero, which is not a not whole really. lot of people think he can catch. Yeah, not really a catcher. I mean, he's catching 50% of the time in AAA, kind of that in AA, and not a great defender, but the guy's track but record for hitting is he's hit wherever he's long. It's not as good as Montero's, but it's not actually that's actually not a bad career comparison, not necessarily player comparison. Right. But he is big. He's listed at six four two twenty five. Same thing that Montero's listed at. Long term, he's a first base DH. But you know, maybe you can have him in an ideal situation. He's your he could be a first base DH third catcher, or right. in an ideal situation, he's a backup catcher who also can DH and play some first. Yeah, but both Boston and the Yankees, the advantage that the Yankees would seem to have if they wanted to be aggressive and make a deal, J.J., as they have some players at positions that other organizations want in Montero, Romine, J.R. Murphy, the development he's had. They have catchers, and, and they clearly they, 
And they do have pitching. Uh, you know, they've had some guys back up, no doubt, this year. But, but they you, still have depth. And they have pitching at the upper levels, J.J., that could help a club. I'm a little bit surprised the Yankees um, haven't been more prominent in trade rumors. It does seem like they've been in well, on Ubaldo Jimenez. But it's, it's fair to say at this point. They have the chips. It's fair to say at this point that we may be reaching the point where you need to trade Jesus Montero if you're going to trade him. Because – your, your choices at this point are becoming point. he's either going to become stagnant at AAA, which, which he's he, becoming. Right. There, yeah. There's a little. Jim there, wrote that in his chat the other day that he talked to a scout. A, he said that he was. They thought he was stale. There's a little there. mold growing on that uh, on that right there, just yeah. from the standpoint of he's he's in a year and a half in AAA. He dominated AAA when he was up last year. At this point, there's not much left for him to prove in AAA, and unfortunately, as far as a hitter, and unfortunately for the Yankees and for his development. He doesn't seem to be responding by that by saying, okay, well, I'm going to go out and hit 400 to make you call me up. Right. He's going right. backwards. Well, and look, it's been now four years. No one still believes he's – there's still no one who believes he's going to be a catcher. No. Not full-time, not every day. That's not – that's just not his role. You, you, Someone could certainly give it a try, you know. You could try it, but I think it would be ugly. And I think you would make it anyone, very difficult uh, for him to The best hit. way to put it this way is Look, this. Go ahead. No one is going to trade for him saying, right. you, may, you may keep him there. You may say, hey, we'll put him at catcher and see. But no one's going to trade for him saying, we're trading for him because we believe he'll be our starting catcher. Correct. I mean, just look at – and I think you know, Matt Eddy made this great point for us in the preseason on our uh, rookie top 20 list. Look at Matt Wieters. It took Matt Wieters basically two and a half seasons in the major leagues. Am I getting that math right? Yeah. As good as he was in the minor leagues, that he his season in Double A was as good or better than anything that Montero has done. But it took a year and a half, two years for him to become a solid offensive player at the major league level. It the Brian McCanns of the world are those guys are just very few and very far in between guys who can come up and be catchers and hit at an above average major league level from the day they're in the big leagues. You know, Russell Martin was one of those guys. And he, he had a great revival for about a month this year, and now he's backed which, up a little bit. Which, and you want? Know I, I really want to say that that was what that was. But that was with Russ Martin is is that, was that the ability countdowns? is in there still a little bit, but he's been so overused, I believe, right. that like it's right. he just his body cannot handle it. I agree, but the, the the Yankees would seem to be an organization, JJ, that has as many trade chips, and I agree, Montero's days. His value is down from what it was last year when he was almost a centerpiece of a Cliff Lee trade. There's not a Cliff Lee trade to be made out there. I wouldn't equate Ubaldo Jimenez with Cliff Lee, but no, because he's still not. He he's still at the point where he could be one of the major pieces of that trade. But I agree with you. He's his value is down from what it was last year. But the thing that the Yankees also have is is yeah, if if they were willing to offer Manny Banuelos in a trade, yeah. He may not be having as great a season as he was having in spring training, sure, but but teams will line up, no doubt, to take a chance at that. Let's take a left-hander with three average to plus plus pitches, and and uh, he throw generally throws strikes. Who's I mean, in the upper levels? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, you're going to take a chance on that. You're not, it's not even really taking a chance. That's as good a. That he'll be one of the better. He'd be one of the best pitching prospects who's available. Yeah, and, that, and, I, and I agree. If, um, if they would, if they're willing to do that, now there's a lot of question out there whether they are. That's, a, that's, and a, that's, a great that's point. actually a question I wanted to ask you, which is, and it's funny from asking this because we're Baseball America. We love prospects. But it is amazing. We've so shifted from one end of the spectrum. You rewind it 20 years ago, and GMs were stupid from the standpoint <laughs> of 
they didn't value prospects necessarily. Some GMs did not value prospects nearly enough. Now right. you could say that that was I would agree poor scouting or whatever. But you know what? The the, the one that always comes back is Jeff Bagwell for Larry Anderson. Right. That's if you had any kind of proper evaluation of Jeff Bagwell. There's no way in your mind you say that even six years of Jeff Bagwell is worth a month of Larry Anderson. Larry Anderson. And that's what I'm saying. That Sad used to true. that used to be true. Yes. I kind of wonder now if we almost have gone too far the other way where prospects are sometimes – partly because there's six years of, of cost-controlled major league you know, career coming ahead. I think that's a big part of but, it. But because of that – there have been some more recent burns than just – to me, the one that the, of my time at Baseball America that was the biggest rental that backfired was the Mariners, Randy Johnson with the Astros. You know, Randy Johnson for what I believe it was Freddie Garcia, Carlos Guillen. That was a third useful piece, but um, – you know, the, They got the big – there was a slugging outfielder in that too. wasn't that good. I'm trying to well, just right there, Garcia and Guillen. Right. You had a middle-of-the-diamond player – who what was it? Did he set some crazy obscure record for like his batting average got better each of his first eight years right, in the major league? Yeah. The point is, yeah, Carlos Guillen, solid, yeah. he was injury prone, but he was a very useful big league infielder. Those are hard to find. And Freddie Garcia was a middle of the rotation workhorse and at times a number two starter. And the Astros got three months of Randy Johnson for him. And uh, that to me was almost another part. And in the year before, he had the Mariners. And on the other end of that, trading Lowe and Veritek for Heathcliff Slocum if he got them. And you had these two th- – those trades to me stick out for some reason. As, and the Mariners were an organization another, that had prospects. Another one that sticks out to me is you go back to the Expos. Oh, uh, well, yeah, the I mean, Cologne deal. The Cologne deal where they traded Grady Sizemore. Can you use anything that Omar Manaya does, yeah, though, okay, as, yeah. a, as a but, teaching tool? But I'll, I'll even go one other, which is, is that Teixeira deal that the Braves did. Which yes. To me, that That's was the worst. You're right. But but and the thing about it is, it wasn't that Teixeira wasn't solid even for the Braves, but it was so much that they. It was one of those deals where they gave up. Now they gave up young prospects, and that's one of the things I'll, I'll give. I give the Rangers a lot of credit on that. The Rangers in that deal were willing to take prospects who were a long ways away. Sure, Feliz and, and Andrews, and I mean, especially Feliz was not even in full season ball. And by doing that, what they did is, is they they ended up. They got higher ceiling prospects than you met, we, you probably would be able to get if you were going for guys who were closer to the big leagues. But, but that trade, like since then, like Teixeira was more than solid. I, I didn't remember he had been this good, but he put up a 161 ops plus right. that year. And the thing about it is, is that, that, and even that being said, it was a bad trade for Atlanta because no doubt, oh no doubt. Well, it was a classic John Sherholtz trade. I mean, that's the one. Even when it happened, I think both of us talked about like you can't be surprised that John Sherholtz is going to go all in. He wants to win one more, just like what happened in Kansas City uh, with the, the David Cohn the, the Ed, Ed Hurd trade. It was similar. It was a similar type deal. But Is there any? Could you see that kind of deal happening today? That's JJ, my point. Like we're so that, far away from that, even three years after the fact of the Teixeira trade. That's four my, years. my point of that is, is that I think that that was almost the last one of those trades, and we've seen those largely go away. Cliff Lee's been dealt twice in the last, right? You know, two times in the last three years, and if you look at the packages that Cliff Lee got at the time. They didn't compare. Right. Justin Smoke no, is right. a cornerstone player for a for a package, but still, that package, you know, as far as prospects, didn't come close to what right. the, what the share deal. No, you're right because the rest of it was chaff. I mean, one player's already gone, the Lawson guy, and Josh the problems Luke, with Josh Lukey. Right, Josh Lukey not was worth, you know, just fifty not worth cents it. on the dollar in that trade. Yeah, you absolutely. would think from the standpoint, although the the Mariners argued that they didn't know that he had problems. Right. So, right, but 
but you had that. Is Ed Wade the most likely general manager to make such a deal, or is that maybe Brian Sabian, who I would hate to cast aspersions on, but Brian Sabian seems to be the kind of general manager who is closer to the old-school model of they definitely don't overvalue prospects, even though they've had so much success with young, homegrown guys and having it again now with Brandon Belt being healthy. Right. I I just don't think there's anyone out there at this point. Be, and part of that has also changed is, is that whether it's internet, whether whatever you want to call it, when you were when these trades were happening even 10 years ago, pretty much if you didn't subscribe to Baseball America right. or, you know, there, there were not a whole lot of sources out there where people were talking about right. prospects like this, especially if you went 15 years. When the... When the Red Sox traded Jeff Bagwell away, I would wager that probably 98% of Red Sox fans at least barely knew who Jeff Bagwell was. That's possible, unless Gammons had talked about him right. or written about him in the Globe. In, in Diamond Notes, you're in yeah, the Globe. Right. That was pretty much the only way that, you know, but, but what I'm saying is, is back then it was not yeah. something. Whereas now, everyone we get, knows who, every, now we get questions. Now we know Xander Bogarts right, but, if you want to. Right, yeah, exactly. Xander Bogarts is... On the na- on the lips of many Red Sox fans, you know, as far as hey, you know, what about Xander Bogarts? That guy would not have been noticed twenty years ago. And if he, I get questioned, we we get questions from people going, "So what's wrong with this guy who's really struggling in the Appy League?" Well, right. the good thing about it is, is being in the Appy League. I mean, twenty years ago, you could struggle in the Appy League, and no one would ever even notice what your stats were there. That's right. And that wasn't necessarily a bad thing because Appy League stats aren't really a don't have a whole lot of predictive Fairly value. Fairly meaningless. Yeah, but. But that's changed. I do think times have changed. Uh, JJ, we've, we've got some uh, questions on the Twitter. Let's go to the Twitter machine and answer some of our and questions. And by the way, so John Manuel BA or, yes. uh, and JJ Coop 36 for our Twitter handles. Um, this one's uh, well, Dale Friesen uh, asked a couple of Blue Jays questions. Blue Jays international signings, I'm not as up on. Maybe you could answer that one. And the chances of the, Ray, of the Jays signing both Daniel Norris and Tyler Beattie. Uh, all the rumors that we've heard is that Tyler Beattie – uh, was signable. There's a lot of talk that he wasn't signable. I, I was told there are at least two other clubs, especially one very strong club, that thought it had a pre-draft deal done with Tyler Beattie, but the Blue Jays took him before he fell to that club. Right. I, spoiled that plan. Which leads I, you to believe that there's, he's there's a deal to be made. Correct. I don't think the Ray, the Jays would have taken him in the first round without, without a deal to be made. Daniel Norris is a different deal. The Jays had a lot of other picks. You know, Daniel Norris fell in the draft because he put out a pretty big number, three to four million. It's been a couple of weeks. I don't quite recall exactly what the number was. Uh, it would not shock me if he didn't sign. I think Toronto's chances of getting Beattie done are very, very good. I think their chances of getting Norris done are less good, but I still see them getting that done. I see them getting both guys. That's what the Blue Jays are about as an organization right now, being very aggressive and acquiring amateur talent. And I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're looking to blow the 74th overall pick, uh, a guy who was number 15 or number 16 on our draft board, and and they got at 74. I think they're looking to sign him. But he he does have a pretty strong commitment to Clemson. To my knowledge, uh, you know, he had a lot of interest in going to Clemson. We we've, we've talked about this in the office that there's very there may not be a team that's come further as far as the farm system in the last two three years than the Blue yeah. Jays. Yeah, that's probably true. I mean, the Blue Jays have a, a very solid farm system now. It's going to be even better on August 16th because there's a whole lot of these guys who, you know, th- there's a number of these guys who they've drafted who they'll probably be able to sign, but because of the stupid way that MLB does <laughs> right. this, you, they'll have to wait till August 15th or around there to announce it. And then on the international front, 
they have been very busy. They have. They have been aggressive. Uh, Manuel Cordova, the right-hander out of Venezuela, he sounds kind of interesting to me. Just reading the report here, J.J., is that he's he's not a guy who's already throwing in the low 90s. He's a projection he's guy. He's a projection guy, which that's fine because yeah. the, the number of guys who we write about who are in low A or high A coming out of the Dominican or Venezuela who were throwing 88 or 86 and then now they're throwing 95 is right. Is it's a pretty long list. And then you have Wilmer Becerra and uh, Jesus Gonzalez, both outfielders. That's hard for me to get too excited about a 16-year-old outfielder. So. Although in Becerra's case, he's a shortstop outfitter, so you don't you don't know as much. Yet. All right, yeah, I, I'm st- I'll, I'll be in. And I, I really, and then we're leaving out Lugo, the guy they gave a uh, seven-figure bonus to. Right, uh, Dawel Lugo, who's the shortstop. The thing I'll say is, is we've we've said before it. You you want you, you know yes you you're if you're a fan of a team you want them taking uh, throws at the dartboard there. That's right. You want them on that wall. You, you want you, frankly you need them on that wall. But at the same time, and the good thing is four guys, you know. Maybe one of those, maybe two of those guys turn out. If yeah. that's, then you did very well. You get one of them into the big leagues, maybe two or three of them have enough, uh, have some prospect value at some time. Then you've done pretty well. Yeah. But the thing about it is, is that also you, as an organization, you'll also will sign a number of guys for 10000 20000 and all, and you may find that one or two of those guys also turns into Absolutely. something. Absolutely. The right of return on really high-dollar Latin picks isn't necessarily that great. No. But at the same time, it's very rare to find the Ruby De La Rosa with his $15,000 bonus or Michael Pineda with his $34,000 bonus. Those guys are much more rare. And at the same time, the other thing I was going to say is, is if your team is the team you're a fan of isn't scouting at all down there, there aren't many now who don't, but there Baltimore are a couple Orioles. Baltimore <laughs> Orioles who don't do much down there, Yeah, you are basically tying one hand behind your back because there are a whole you – know, look at – Look at compare that to like the Rockies who do such a good job right. in Latin America, and how much we're talking about Ubaldo Jimenez. Yeah. Ubaldo Jimenez has been a key member of playoff teams, you know, already. And you throw into that that if they do want to trade him, which I don't know. If well, if the Rockies had had any success drafting and developing pitchers in recent years, they'd be dominating the National League West. But they haven't. Whether it's Greg Reynolds getting hurt or Tyler Matzik being unable to find the strike zone. Because um, three fifths of the rotation right now are Latin signings: Nicasio, Chassin, Ubaldo Jimenez. Their Dominican program, their Latin American program, is carrying their big league roster in terms of their pitching staff. But they've drafted domestic pitchers in the first round: Casey Weathers, Tommy John, supposed to be a quick to the big leagues bullpen guy, not get it done. Matzik, unhealthy. Christian Friedrich, first rounder, unhealthy. Greg, Greg Reynolds. Reynolds, unhealthy. It's it's a constant stream. Now, are they drafting the wrong guys? You know. No, I mean, Greg Reynolds was a consensus but, number two, but he was in that mix. And, but Christian fast, Friedrich fell to 26. And I mean, the, the fascinating part about that is you can't say, well, clearly they're doing something wrong as far as their pitching development program because right. they are producing Ovaldo the Jimenez. Guys, they're exactly. producing Juan Nicasio. They're producing Jehulis Jacin. I mean, they're producing these guys. It's really strange that they, they're, they've had first-round pitcher bust after bust, injury after injury, and yet the Latin American pitchers – I mean, Juan Nicasio was a guy who signed late, late bloomer. Right. What was he, 24 last year in the we're Cali? We're talking about development. I mean, these are developmental stories. Chassin was a guy who – Tremendous story. They're, they're, these are guys – Jimenez, in Jimenez's case, that's a development story as far as a, a win for player development because Jimenez has a delivery that I could very well see several teams saying, you know what, yeah. we got to completely remake this. They yeah, did. or just not sign him. Yeah. I don't like them dice rolling like that. We, we just won't sign him. I agree. Um, it's 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 a very unusual situation. 
Um, we have a couple other uh, questions on the Twitter machine there, uh, JJ. Doug Gray, your friend, uh, my acquaintance. Enjoy his website. He's a Reds minor league blogger. I uh, would like to hear some opinions on Ronald Torres. That little guy has done nothing but hit since signing. Not only that, but he runs too, JJ, which runs is a good part of the profile. And- I'll, I'm a I'm a big Ronald Torres fan, and the reason I say that is is that I mean let's if someone doesn't know anything about Torres, we'll start yeah, it off from there. Do that. He, he's a he's a part of the new emerging uh, wave of really short second basemen. That's right. Torres is short. I mean, is he taller or shorter than Jose Altuve? That's a good question because I haven't you know I don't think anyone's ever seen him side by side. But Are I they would the same player. But Torres <laughs> skinnier, okay. faster. Altuve probably a little more pop, but um. But I, I remember talking last year, doing stuff for the Reds' top 30, and it's like, yeah, he may be 5'5", five, 5'6". Five, five, I mean, he's just short. That being said, there are some arguments you could make. Now, the knock, we, we talked about Altuve a little bit with the midseason. We were right. talking about our midseason top prospect, prospects list. We ran Altuve by a lot of guys, and the continual knock against him was he doesn't run that well. And they don't think that he's going to be plus defensively at second. With that being the case, then it's asking a whole lot about the bat because you're talking about a guy who who really then okay is he a everyday second baseman? Right. If he's not, he doesn't have a profile. Correct. He's got to be an everyday second baseman. And the Astros have given him the chance. Promoted to the big leagues. He's got leagues. a chance now. We'll but see. Treyas in in his case, the profile fits a little better because plus defensively at second. Right. Uh, range, excellent range. Has the arm to play shortstop, correct? Right. I mean, right. you're going to play him at shortstop every day, but as a fill-in. Right. But I, I would say he's, yeah, I, to me, he's more of an everyday second baseman than I. Than right. You, but you could, yeah. If but you said utility a, profile. He's you more could, of a fill-in shortstop than Altuve. Uh, abs- oh, absolutely. Can run some and has had, as, as Doug Ray put it, I mean, he's hit everywhere he's gone. He has good hand-eye to go with everything else. So you put that all together and – there are some things really to like there. Now, it's not just scouts, though. I will say this. Scouts aren't just discriminatory against short players just to be discriminatory. There's good reasons. There's good reasons. Have doubts. And you, if it's harder, it, it, the, the list of five foot six and below major leaguers of all time is a, it's a pretty short list. How old the Torres is listed at 5'9", but 140 pounds. That's what he's not 140 anymore. I'd say he's a little heavier than that, and he's not 5'9". Yeah, that's just uh, startling. Um, that would be a team, J.J., I would pay money to see the to see him and Billy Hamilton in a lineup at the same time. He's hitting about 150 points higher than, than Hamilton. But that's a great potential tandem. That's like Oric and Hoover. I would love to watch those guys like um, a young Alberto Callasco Alberto and, uh, and Eric Ibar. And Eric Ibar back then when, when – they were uh, coming up in where they would have been. That was Orem, Cedar, I think. Yeah, Orem, and then they went to Cedar Rapids, I guess, together. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Probably, probably um, about that time. Got another question here, Brian Piercy ninety four. Yep. Uh, asking is Alex Liddy making a comeback as a prospect, hitting really well in AAA, walks and uh, strikeouts concern still for the future third baseman for Seattle, and you hit on the big thing there, which is. Yeah, the strikeouts are a concern. Yeah, 114 and a 422 at bats already. Not every 422 four, at bats, 422 plate, plate appearances. Plate appearances. I'm sorry. Wow, 368 at bats. And every season that he's been in full season ball, JJ, he's had 100 strikeouts plus, and the rate has never really gone down in a significant fashion. And I, 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 I just there is. I'm, I'm looking at this a little bit, and I don't have anything. You know, I've been just kind of pulling these things up, running some queries on this, but. 
I was looking just wanted to see like okay if you strike out over 30% of your at bats yeah and I also did it with plate appearances but especially just looking at bats for a minute like okay if you strike out over 30% of the time you know 30% of your at bats let's look at the 2005 list for that let's look at the 2006 let's look at the 2007 because those are the years I can go back and kind of just do it pretty okay. quickly and there are a number of prospects on there very few of those prospects succeeded. ever succeeded because the problem is is that if you're striking out that much at Triple A, seem to recall that having Mark the, Reynolds qualifies. He I seem to recall having that discussion with Ben Battler, but it was with low A outfielders. It was the year that I had with, with uh, Mike Stanton, where I had Mike Stanton at third on my uh, top 50 in the prospect handbook, and Ben talked me out of it because his strikeout rate. Like there, there was two guys on his whole list who had a strikeout rate similar to Mike Stanton's, who even made the major leagues in a sub- substantive way, and it were it was Russell Brannion. And Vladimir Guerrero, and uh, I still wish I think I had Stan all the way down to ten. Right. And no, I, I, I again, there are but guys that was low way, right. different from Double A, different, AAA. different from Triple A. And the thing about it is, is, I'll say this: Mark Reynolds managed to have a, has had a solid career. The thing right. about Mark Reynolds though is, is Mark Reynolds is a 35-40 home run guy. Makes it a little easier to teams are more willing to live with it. Right. When you have when you're that kind of a, you know. That said, I could see the Mariners giving him a shot. They're oh, giving absolutely. them an extended shot. They're giving Greg Hallman a shot right now. They Speaking have, of strikeouts. They're playing Adam Kennedy at first base. That team is desperate for power. So I don't see why Alex Liddy wouldn't get a especially, shot. You know, they, especially they've been playing Alex Liddy at shortstop in AAA. Wow, yeah. That's <laughs> wow. Yeah, which is a wow. That but is amazing. They, you know, when, when they brought Kyle Seeger up, it was like, hey, we – Kyle Seeger's playing a lot of third base for them right now. Just went back down. but so yeah, they, was, so they have so – yeah, he's hitting 170, so I'm not yeah. surprised. They have – they have opportunity. The I would give that, Alex though, Liddy But the a problem shot. with that, though, is, is that they have opportunity. Not a whole lot of these guys, though. I, Michael Saunders jumps to mind as a guy who had plenty of opportunity and did not seize it. Well, but beyond that, take Ackley out of it. Of these position players, prospects we're talking about for the Mariners, they're, they're complementary pieces much more than they are cornerstone guys. Yeah. I mean, and, obviously, Smoke is hurt. That's why they're playing Kennedy at first. Right. Smoke and Ackley are what they're building their future around. And that's a nice right side of the infield if Dustin Ackley can can handle it. Offensively, Dustin Ackley's been outstanding so far. And defensively, level. even he's been he's been solid it's, it, small early on. Size. Small sample <laughs> yeah. on both on right. both cases. But, but yeah, they they could use. I think they'll give Alex Liddy a shot, and I, I'd say his chances of being a productive big league player in the twenty five to thirty five percent range as a third as an everyday third baseman. And if the defense is good enough and he runs into one, you know, best case scenario, JJ maybe he has like a Brandon Inge kind of career where he's a bottom of the order hitter a mistake hitter, um, and is going to strike out a lot. But I know physically they're not really that similar. Right, but, but he could have that kind of career where, you know, on a good year, he hits 250 and hits 20 home runs and, and plays a good defensive third base. You. Right. But or that, he gets DFA'd. <laughs> right. Well, and, and that that is the uh, – but to me, that's the the problem. Like, I read something from someone point making the point recently, you know, one of the national writers saying the Mariners' future is really bright because you look and they've got – uh, they got Pineda just came up. They just got Ackley up. They got Taiwan Walker, you know, and it's still – Breakthrough breakthrough performance breakthrough this year. Performance. But it really does come down to the thing that I look at and still wonder about is, is they just don't – they're not – they don't score runs now, and there's not a whole lot of guys that you say that guy's going to help them score runs next year or the year after. No, and uh, it'll be interesting to watch what happens there because uh, I believe uh, all the stories are Jack Zarensic's contract is up, up as general manager, and, and he hasn't been renewed yet, and – you know, whoever the general manager is, whether it's Jack or someone else, they're also going to have to handle the Nettlesome Ichiro issue. 
because he's just not the same guy he used to be. And he's the face of the franchise, and he's not very productive anymore. And that's not a job I'd necessarily uh, – and, and let's face it, the Rangers are a juggernaut. They're, oh, that, good, they're the best the... team in the big league level in that division. And they have J.J. – again, from an organization, going back to the trade talk, you want to make a deal, the Rangers or the other organization that, to me, has what you want because they have shortstops to spare. Now, they're not going to trade jerks and Profar. What's the guy's name at high A? Luis Garcia? Yeah, Luis Garcia. Luis Garcia. Well can, available. Can pick it. He's a high A version of Jose Iglesias. Uh, Jose Iglesias or got $6 million. To, dollars, I was going to say, but he's a high A version of uh, Jose Iglesias. If you wanted to even maybe drop it down a level, you could say, like last year when we were talking uh, and the uh, Phillies were looking to deal. and they. Uh, I don't think he's got as much offensive firepower as Jonathan Villar, though. He I may not, but Villar. defensively, I would. Well, uh, no, I was going to say uh, not Villar, but uh, Freddie Galvis. Oh, were, yeah, okay. I was going to say I was going to compliment the Galvis. Who's, okay, that he's works. another guy. I'm saying if you want to go, Jose Iglesias has gotten a little more pub. That's even, you know, if you want to knock, knock it down a notch, Freddie Galvis. Who, Freddie Galvis is going to, I still believe, Freddie Galvis is going to be a big leaguer at some point because he's good enough defensively that he will have a big league role. He might uh, he might wind up like the uh, Jorge Valandia type But career. the other thing that the Rangers have is, is they have enough pitching. Yes, to, that's it. They have pitching depth. And they have depth up the middle. It's, everybody could use catchers. They don't have catchers. They had the one year where they had all their ca- all, all those catchers, catchers and poof, none of them. They are yeah. all gone. Um, but they do have pitching, and they have some shortstops. If anyone wants Enhel Beltre, take my Enhel Beltre, please. <laughs> um, they have a big league corner bat who theoretically is ready in Chris Davis. Although I would be suspect. Right, I know he's had a great year this, this year. But yeah, if you're the Pittsburgh Pirates and you want to try a first baseman on the cheap, maybe that's a guy where if they could find some kind of fit. I would think that Chris Davis would get every chance to unseat Lyle Overbay and, right, and give that team some pop. But here's the interesting thing with the Rangers. The Rangers, as good as they as their farm system is, they have a whole lot of guys who you're like, you know what, we're not including that in this deal. Because to me, if you're the Rangers, and considering where the Rangers' situation is right now, Martin Perez is not available. Correct. Jurickson Profar is not available. Correct. Robbie Erland, yeah, he could – he he could be available, but at the same time, for me to trade Robbie Erland, what are the Rangers going out there to get that you'd be you know? They're, to me, they're more tinkering around the the edges than right. Well, to me, I, I still think they they could use starting pitching help down for for the stretch right. or for the postseason. Uh, Robbie Erland would not be untradeable. No, I, I'm not saying I would trade him in the right piece if I could get someone who would really help my team. You know, if I if I'm the Rangers and I think this is someone who can help me in the playoffs, right. but there aren't a whole lot of those pitchers out there. Correct. Unless you want to go and spin at the big boy aisle. Right. I mean, like you know, again, the Astros we know are Wani Rodriguez, like our Wani Rodriguez or Brett Myers, difference makers no. for them. It sounds like there's a lot of I don't remember. I think it was maybe Peter Gammons or John Morosi. Someone wrote, I thought insightfully this week that if you you know, there's trepidation Just from American League teams. Well, yeah, but it's about about getting a guy from the National League and bring him to the American League because it's a tougher. Just going through those lineups and that that grind is is much more difficult. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, and, and if you're talking about Ubaldo Jimenez, to me, that's the guy. If you want to make swing a deal and you can get a Jimenez, yeah. that's a different thing because when you're talking about a guy like Ubaldo Jimenez, whether I know he had a rough start to the season, it, it, there was a little stretch there, but he seems sure. to have gotten it straightened out. But beyond that, Ubaldo Jimenez is a guy who can dominate a playoff game. Yeah, yeah. And I want, to me, that's that's a difference. That's a, a difference. Be, uh, yeah, you're looking for someone who can uh, beat a great lineup. And right, there's, the stuff there's two different kinds of pitchers that are available out there. 
And there aren't many of the Ubaldo Jimenez's, the guys you say, okay, could this guy match up in a playoff series against another ace right. and say, hey, we got a chance to win this game. And not only that, but he may just dominate. And then there's a, there's a whole lot of pitchers out there who fit in the category of... Yeah, he could help us, and maybe he'd be our fourth starter. You know, like the Royals, I'm, I would imagine the Royals, Jeff Francis, Bruce Chenner are available for very cheap. <laughs> and that's the kind of guy of, well, is he better than the guy we're throwing out every fifth day right now on the fifth day? Then you maybe you'd do that deal. There's a lot of those guys available. There are yeah, too many to count. Now, but, the other guy, I'll say this, I don't think he's in that Obama Jimenez, but, but where do you put James Shields? That was the next guy on my mind, and that's pretty fascinating discussion because this year – uh, you he's could been argue James Shields from two years ago. You could argue this year that he's a guy you can say, "Hey, he can win. He can dominate a playoff game." Anybody who goes through the American League East like he has and has been better, you know, last year was the aberration. You hope, but for three of the last four years, James Shields has been a one, two, or th- and in the top three guys in a, in a rotation that's won the American League East twice and is in contention again this year. Although obviously they're a little bit further back. Yeah, to me, James Shields is. Going to start playoff game one, two, or three for an org- for a big league team in either league, either the American League or the National League. Although the funny thing is, is if the Rays keep Maybe him, even he the would. Negro I was going to say, Monty Burns would say, if if the uh, if the Rays do keep him and they did somehow figure out a way to make the playoffs, might not start one, two, or three for them. Yeah, he might be. Well, he probably would start actually. You, Jeff Neiman's pitching very well right now. Though I was going to say, well, you figure. I don't know how they would set it up, but you figure Price would be. Number one, he would probably actually be number well, two. He keeps on saying that James Shields is his guy. Yeah, and I remember I, when I was doing the Jeremy Helkson stuff last year, and this was when James Shields had an ERA round five, and I it think was like James, James Shields. Was, he said James Shields is our number one. I think he'd be their number one this year, considering that Price's ERA is around four, and James Shields has just outperformed him. Right, and he certainly has the Joe Madden mullet seal of approval. So, mm-hmm. what you would get for uh, you know James Shields though would be pretty considerable, JJ. And, uh, the Rays have significant needs. If they were a couple we, we games talked closer about, to the to first place, they had a better week. You might see that trade, I think, a lot hotter and heavier. Well, we we talked about in the office just speculating. This is pure speculation, not like we've gotten some insight here or anything. But right, like there was a, a nugget in one of the national writers said that uh, that the the Reds were you know, the the Rays were scouting Reds minor leaguers. Well. And I don't know at this point if the Reds should be necessarily going all in either. because Those organizations fit together, though. But if you'd want to talk about a natural fit, if you said the logical deal being a Devin Mesoraco yonder Alonso trade, from the Rays' standpoint, right. that fits very well. because Even though the Rays have plenty of arms, I still think when you trade a pitcher like James Shields, you, could, you want to get back an arm. That's okay. where the Reds are a little shy. What you would not be getting a James Shields arm back. You would be getting back a... Um, you, hey, Travis you Woods Travis of it, Wood, yeah. Exactly. yeah. But now that being said, where that fits for the Rays is How about that Homer Baylor. <laughs> so, but sorry, where that fits, John Heyman. But with that, but where that fits is Devin Mazzarocco would start for them at catcher from day one. From day one. Although I guess that, he'd share with Robinson Chirinos. But he would start from day one. Yonder Alonso may would, not start at day one, but he'd be a he would be the kind of because <laughs> he Casey might also. Con- 
Casey Cotchman's having an amazing. No, I was gonna year. say you might throw him in left field for a little while, and now that the uh, Superman DH. Sam Fold is not, I yeah, mean, DH, you DH some. him when Johnny Damon doesn't DH, and maybe you can try Damon in left field some, uh, you know, spot him. But yeah, no, I agree. I don't think they'd play Alonzo in the, left the field because their accent is so right. on defense. But he the, fits them long the term, point, no doubt. And the point I'm making with that is, is that that is actually a trade. If you did, if the Rays, this is not the, something the Rays would normally do, but if the Rays were willing to bring up Matt Moore, they thought he was ready to come up. That is a trade the Rays could do, and you could argue it would significantly help them long-term and at the same time not really hurt them short-term. Is this right that Sam Fold's 664 on baseball slugging percentage it still gives him a 90 OPS plus? Is it's that a, how much offense era. is down? It's a different era. I knew it was down, but I didn't know it was down that a 664 OPS plus was a 90. It's I mean, a with different, a OPS it really was a is. 90 OPS plus. It is a different era, but, but the – that's that's startling, I have to say. But the thing about this is that the Rays are one of those teams that's tough because what the Rays usually do is they trade, and this is what that, again, that just proposed deal would do. The Rays trade while staying staying in place. They're on a treadmill. Correct. Correct. They're not trade. They don't cash in like, okay, we're out of it. But Although it, eight games back and six and a half in the wild card, it might be time to think they are. But they rarely, rarely trade thinking we're out of it. But they trade from the standpoint of is, but they're always looking long term, and they have to. Right, and those pieces fit. Devin Mesoraco and Yonder Alonso fit long term for them. The, the question I don't have an answer for is, with, as we talked about, their problems they've had in the outfield and all is why Desmond Jennings is. I don't have that answer. Uh, maybe we'll see if we can get that answer this weekend. Uh, you and I will both miss Matt Moore on Friday. Uh, prior family commitments, but others in the office will be going to see Matt Moore make his AAA debut with the Bulls on Friday. And I'll actually get his next start, his next scheduled start on the 28th. So that's exciting. Uh, should be calling that uh, and, and tweeting the heck out of that. JJ, last uh, part of the podcast from the trade standpoint, if you're the Pittsburgh Pirates, would you buy? Or I think would you, you try to keep that oh, long-term look? You kind of have to you be have buyers, to buy. don't you? You have to buy. You actually have, for the first time in 20 years, as, as I've said, as I've said here, you know, for time before, I'm a Steelers fan. So I, a lot of my, a I lot of, I'm, about your Steelers you know, fan. but, but <laughs> so I'm, you know, like for one thing on Twitter, I follow a lot of, I have, Pittsburgh, I have yeah. a lot of people follow me who are from Pittsburgh and I follow a lot of people from Pittsburgh. And it's very obvious from that, that for the first time in 20 years, this, the Pirates have a team that is actually captured the interest of the hmm. of, of the Pittsburgh area. Like, they had a sellout on a Monday night. It's like, we don't ever have sellouts on... That was amazing to read about that, how the people, the reaction was like, hey, wait a minute, it's, it's Monday and we have a sellout. What the heck's and going the, on here? And the thing about it is, is with that, I do not... You may say, it may be the logical, you know, thing to say is, is we've got to... This team is over, you know, overachieving. Right. It may not be able to sustain it, so we've got to still look long-term. You don't you don't give away you don't trade Jamison Tyone to help right. fill a uh, your hole at first base with a rental guy or anything like that you don't do that but if you're the Pirates what you have to do now is show that you're rewarding the team for what they did by filling in because they have some clear holes yeah it would seem that offensively they're going to get a, a boost whenever either Chris Snyder or Ryan Doman I guess Ryan Doman right. just started whenever they a, got whenever they stop being rehab, a, yeah. but whenever they stop having a, a black hole at catcher. Yeah, um, are you calling Mike McHenry? Our sorry, Mike prospect McHenry. Pistol, a black hole. I was gonna say far, sorry. I, I saw him in the South Atlantic League All Star game several years ago, and nothing against him, but 
They're they're not getting a whole lot out of catcher right they're now. They're not. I would assume they're going to get some kind of a boost, even though I know he swings and misses more than he should. Uh, from Pedro Alvarez when he comes back, he's hitting in AAA. He has to. You assume he will help be a little bit of an upgrade. But they, but he's they absolutely, be better than Brandon Wood. But they absolutely need to make a trade for a bat. It would seem to be so. I would I would think they have to make a trade, and, and they have enough pieces. And they have enough pieces in the minors to make a trade of some sort. Now, I don't think it's going to be. For one thing, there's not. Like if you said, okay, what first basemen are out there? Derek Lee <laughs> is he on the trade? Uh, is he? Is he uh, probably actually probably would not. You know, or he might be available. I, mean, I would but, assume he'd be. But available. I'm saying, but there's not a whole lot out there as far as first baseman, but. Beyond that, though, you, if you're the Pirates, again, the pitching's been way better than anyone anyone right. could have expected. Right. But they, if you're in it this long, it's now we're we're they're going to be in it when August first arrives. Yeah, their goal really isn't to be 500, but when you're a half game out on July 20th, you have to go for it. I I agree with you. Especially I think you have to go for and they're in a different situation. The future, they're in a different it. situation. If you're half game out, you have to go for it no matter where you are. But if you're a half game out, and the last time that you mattered was when Barry Bonds was skinny. When George Herbert Walker Bush was president. Right. You have to, you have to, making that run for it, even if you fail to make it, may actually long-term be more important for you than than not and waiting for next year because you're going to sell. How many packs of cigarettes has Jim Leland smoked (laughs) since the Pirates are last relevant? You don't want to know. <laughs> I think you get all the way to the moon and back. But, but the thing about this is the tickets you may sell by going for it. Yeah, may I'd... be the difference of keeping a guy or two who you would have to let go. So that's an interesting point. I mean, it, it's something where when you talk about these smaller market teams, one of the things that they have to project is is okay. Well, what is our ticket revenue going to look like? Well. Right. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the Pirates are exceeding their projections on ticket revenue right I would, now. I would guess that's the case if they sold out on a Monday. But, they're, yeah, if they're 13th in runs, there has to be something offensively that uh, Neil Huntington can, should be able to do. Because the thing about this is if they go I for it. I have to give him credit. They've done a nice job. If with they go for it and shoot. fail at this point, if they go for it and fail, they still – as far as and and this point, we're talking about as much as on the field the you know the wins and losses. We are talking about a market and what the team its impact in the market. Right. Going for it and failing actually still means something for that for that community as far as uh, for baseball fans. No doubt. Can James Harrison hit for power? Well, we know he hits for with power. Yeah, we know he, he hits, hits for power. power. I'm, I'm going to guess 32. So it's probably a actually late. if you wanted to. You know, if you wanted to pick up from the Steelers, Moelde Moore, um, <laughs> Antoine Randall-L, there's, I think there are three. Troy Palomalu, Troy Palomalu, Palomalu. the 1999 draft. Well, I was going to say, there's three or four former uh, draftees on that Steelers roster. So All of whom might have more upside than Danny Moscos, but that's a different podcast. Fun podcast, JJ. It's good yeah. to be back in the nook. Yeah. It's good to be back in the podcast nook. You can send us questions for next week's podcast at podcast at baseballamerica.com. For JJ Cooper, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you next week on the Baseball America podcast, and we'll see you Sunday night on Sirius XM, XM 89, 89, Sirius 209. 209. All right, until then, see you next time. So long, everybody.
If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.